I'm going to be uh, talking through our third week of our series, Am I Healthy? I'm excited about this. I'm, I'm somewhat, uh, I wouldn't call myself a health nut, but I, I like to pay attention to my health, probably just like many of you here in this room like to do the same thing. But, but many people today feel that the number one goal in their life is centered around their health. And I have the stats to prove it. Over the past 20 years, the diet industry has tripled its gross annual income to over $60 billion, with a B, dollars. That's a whole lot of money. And I can see why people would want to spend that kind of money on their health because literally you can Google this anywhere. People who, 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 who are, are taking care of their health, they live longer. And that's one good reason right there for no other reason to invest in your health. You live longer. You heal quicker. You have lower blood pressure. You're more physically fit. And you're, you enjoy a good, heart, healthy life. For those reasons alone, it's good for us to focus on our health. But we also have to understand that our physical health is just one component of what we really, truly should be focusing on. We have to focus on our entire health. We have to focus on the whole person, not just the physical person. So I know many of you made those New Year's resolutions and you've checked the box. I'm on my way down that road. But we're going to talk about some other components of our health today. And the reason why we want to do this, guys, is because we believe that God's biblical design for us is to be healthy and whole. You can be healthy, but not necessarily whole. God wants us to be both. You remember on last week, Dr. Andy Yarbrough, how many of y'all enjoyed what he had to say? I'll tell you what. I, I immediately, I, I'm a note taker, and I was sitting there, and I was trying to take notes. I was like, I, I, I can't do it. I sat my notes down because I knew I was going to have to watch this a couple of times. So I've already gone home. I stopped it. I rewind it. What you say? I take my notes. I mean, I encourage you, if you did not have an opportunity to go back and look at that again, please do. And that leads us right into what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we're going to be talking about the health of our relationships. Now, I know typically in a church service, you probably came in thinking, Lord, speak to my husband today. <laughs> speak to my wife today. Speak to my children today. Lord, speak to them. Get them right. <laughs> All right? This is for you. It is not for the person sitting next to you, okay? So there's going to be no elbowing. Matter of fact, go ahead and elbow the person right, right now. Just get it out of your system, okay? Just go ahead and bruise the rib right now, right? We got to talk about the health of our relationships because outside of chemical imbalances as it relates to our emotional and mental health, you know what's causing that stress in our life? It's relationships. It's relationships. Much of what Mr. A Dr. Andy talked about last week stems from unhealthy relationships. We see that in the garden, everything was whole and it was complete. God and man was in perfect union. A lot of times, of course, we know that man sinned and that perfect union was disturbed. It was broken. That perfect communion, it was done away with. And, and while we know that the relationship between God and man was disturbed, Sometimes we don't put 
enough focus on the relationship between Adam and Eve. Guys, that relationship got disturbed as well. If you read, I believe it's in the third chapter of, of Genesis, it, it, it speaks that the wife would desire to rule over the husband. Now, guys, y'all know we got a problem with that already, but what we're facing today, guys, this isn't new. These imperfect, imbalanced relationships started long ago, and that's why we now, today, are going to hopefully get a little bit of help. Now, we have to know and understand that not all relationships are equal. There are different types of relationships. Of course, we have our acquaintances, right? These are easy relationships to maintain, or at least should be. Little impact if anything happens in that relationship, right? It's really, uh, you know how they use the term water off of a duck's back? There's not going to be a whole lot that you can uh, hurt me with in a relationship to where you're only just an acquaintance. I'm going to know little about this person. That's how you can describe these relationships. You don't know a whole lot. So, so you can't really hurt me in this level, in this type of relationship. The next level of relationship we may have is a casual relationship. These are somewhat okay and easy to manage as well. There's no high expectations set in these casual relationships. There's no meaningful intent. But these are the ones that will sneak up on you. These kind of hurt you when it gets out of balance. It's good if we're just walking down the road and there's no real intent from, from me or no real expectation, but sometimes in this casual relationship, one of the parties tend to move to the next stage and the other one still thinks they're just friends. Come on now, those daters out there. I oh, don't you love me. I never said that, but you did this and you did this. So sometimes those casual relationships, if we don't watch them, while they're supposed to be easy, they can turn out to be very, very difficult relationships. And then, of course, we have relationships, close relationships. These can, of course, be hard. These can be hard. There's, there, there's a huge impact on the line if you tend to hurt someone in this level of relationships. And the one that we're going to spend majority of our time talking about, guys, is the intimate relationship. These are the hardest. These, if you hurt someone in, these can have life-changing implications. These can go from you to your children to your grandchildren. We're talking about the ones that are so close. I mean, it impacts your core belief. There, there are people right now that, that won't serve God because of the impact that has happened to them in these intimate relationships. I'm talking about church folks. That There are people even maybe in this room today that are struggling to completely love God and to forgive people because of maybe a hurt that happened in this level of a relationship. And this is where the enemy really likes to play. He loves these levels of relationships because he knows that if he can knock you off your center, if he can knock you off your point with Jesus, he can tear down and not just you, but hopefully all other relationships that are connected to you. That's his, end, that's his end game there. He knows that this, the greater the love, the harder the hurt. The greater the love, the harder 
the hurt. When we look at those things that we love, we can love ourselves. So when ourself get hurt, man, it's going to be harder for us to get over that. When we, when we, when we, we, when we don't line up with the way people see people the way we see people, then that's when that hurt can go even deeper. For example, my children. When you begin to hurt my children, man, we're going to have a serious issue right there. Why? Because there's a greater love. Now, I, I, I love everybody in this room, but don't mess with this, this, this boy that was on the keys, okay? <laughs> I'm partnering with him. That's my son, okay? Don't mess with my wife. Y'all know how we are about our folks. Y'all know how we are about our folks. And the enemy loves to bring about discord and division at this level of relationship. As we round out this list of relationships, the different types, the key takeaway is this. Relationships are complicated. They are complicated. And if we don't watch ourselves, they can be very, very divisive. The other thing I want you to take away from this is that no one is exempt from the challenges that come with relationships. Anybody, any, any, is there any perfect couple? I got one right here, the Butterfields. Uh, is there any per, other perfect couples in the room? Okay, I'm talking to everybody else, all right? Y'all know we're not perfect. And the opportunities for us to hurt each other, man, is serious business. So we have to ask, ask ourselves and examine the health of our relationships. Now, if you're in relationships, and we all are, you're going to fall into one of these three groups. Some of you will find that your relationships are healthy, all right? You're chugging along, right? Something happens, you quickly forgive. Something happens, you quickly forgive. You're walking in, in grace and mercy. That is great. Some of you will find that some of your relationships are unhealthy, but you don't realize it yet. How many of you have ever gone to the doctor and you're like, man, I'm feeling good, and he gives you that exam, and he tells you that you got high blood pressure? That has ever happened to anybody? All right? What about any of your other numbers? You thought you were doing well. You thought you were healthy, but he gets up in there, and he finds something. Sometimes our relationships can be like that. They can look good on the outside, but, man, sometimes we can be harboring stuff on the inside that comes out later. It can come out later if we don't address it, which we're going to get some help on how to address those hurts and things of that nature as we move forward. And then, of course, the other area, the other grouping, is that those, those unhealthy relationships, and it's obvious, all right? These are the ones to where the spouse sits here, there's an empty seat, and then the other spouse sits here. This is the one to where the whole family's sitting over here, and then there's this one kid over here. This is the one to where, to where you know, it, it's just obvious. I was coming to church, but now I don't come to church anymore, all right? So we've talked about these relationships, and I, I want to pause just for a second to say this. As we talk through these relationships, as we talk about the unhealthy relationship, and, and we got a story here that we're about to walk through that's going to show you how church folks can also, <laughs> although great and perfect, they are they're good heroes in the Bible, they're imperfect people. But I do want to pause for a second. Because those relationships to where, you know, if me and Rob have an offense, you know, this is just two grown men. We got to figure this thing out, right? We got to figure this thing out. And at some point, Rob's going to have to get right with God, and I got to get back right with God, and we got to forgive each other, and we got to move on. And, but, but, but we are adults. 
But I want to be sensitive to those that may be in the room today. And maybe the offense that happened in your life happened when you were a little kid. It, it, it happened or it came about unto you because of the trust of an individual that should have been caring and taking care of, of you was violated. And now you're having to deal with that hurt. And you're going to hear me talk you know, about restoring relationships and how to have a healthy relationship. And you're wondering, how in the heck am I supposed to forgive that man that molested me? And it gets that serious. So I want to make sure as we're talking about relationships, guys, it's, it's, it's complex. It's challenging. It's difficult. And I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm kind of a high-energy guy, and, and sometimes you can, you can take like, oh, man, he's just breezing through this, and he's not taking into consideration the hurt and the depth of the pain that I have. I, I want you to know that I'm sensitive to that today. But I, want to do, I do want to talk about a story in the Bible, one that you may be familiar with and one that you may not be familiar with. This, this, this story, again, is, is, is talking about church folks. And the two people that these scriptures that we're going to read is talking about uh, an argument or a disagreement that happened between two brethren, two, two, two apostles, two men of faith, two men that did great things for the body of Christ. One of them is Paul. We know that Paul, after Jesus, by many, he was considered to be one of the most important men in the world. I mean, Paul was the man that brought us the gospel as Gentiles. I mean, we wasn't, we wasn't by genealogy lined up to, to receive the promise, but, but that was Paul's objective. That was his call. The call upon his life by God was to do that. He was called to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. We also know that Paul was more responsible for more than a dozen church plants. I mean, this guy is awesome. He was a missionary extraordinaire. He would be one of the guys, if you want to be called to the missionary field and God call you, man, it would be good to read and study up on Paul. The other person that we want to talk about is Barnabas. Barnabas led uh, the church in his earliest days. And many of you might not know this, but when Paul came onto the scene, guess who his, who his, who his mentor was? It was Barnabas. So we got these two great men of God. And they're going to do something that's probably going to be shocking to you. Or maybe it's not shocking to you. The scriptures that we're going to refer to is in Acts 15, 36 through 41. We'll start at verse 36. It says, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. That's admirable, right? Y'all know Paul, he went out there, he set the churches. Hey, let's go check on the guys that we had already led to Christ. Let's go check on those churches. Now, again, Paul, this guy's responsible for having authored 13 of the 27 New Testament Bibles, books of the Bible. Listen what happens next. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark. Y'all who know, know who Mark is. Mark actually wrote the book of Mark, but basically he was just telling the story as how Peter saw it. But man, come on, this is a powerful guy too, Mark. He actually had the book named after me in the Bible. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Paul had an issue with Mark. The saga continues. And and there arose a sharp disagreement. 
so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Y'all see the dynamics here. Mark had been, spent some time with Paul. Now, y'all know Paul. Paul had just come from per persecuting the church. This guy had a license to kill. Now, that zeal, thank God he got saved, but that zeal that he had for the persecution of the church, I believe that God did such a work in his life that zeal was just as passionate over here on the missionary field. So now you can imagine little timid Mark coming along and something happens and he wants to run back to Jerusalem. And he did. So when Barnabas brings up Mark, Paul is like, no, no way. I have, I've known him. No, sir. When the going gets tough, he's going to get going. No. <laughs> Cut him out. But then Barnabas, Barnabas was like, no, man, let's, let, let's bring him. He's good. Now, I did a little bit of studying on Barnabas, and he was not as passionate as Paul, but he was passionate, and it's okay. We all have our different personalities, but, but, but they, they had a, 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 a disagreement, a sharp disagreement. And when we looked that up, it, it was it was sudden. It came upon them quickly. They were arguing, guys, these two great heroes of the faith. And this, this sharp disagreement says it was a violent outburst. Can you imagine? Paul and Barnabas. Here hold my, hold my, hold my, hold my tunic right here. Get, get, get my robe. Come on, come on. Can you imagine? I mean, two great heroes of the faith, but they were imperfect. They were imperfect. And I just believe that some of this had a lot to do. I will tell you this. The scripture does not say what happened specifically, what Mark did to set Paul off. All right? The scripture does let us know through different other areas, Barnabas and Mark were related. So can you imagine when Paul was trying to go off on him? Barnabas like, you ain't going to be talking about my boy like that. You don't know where I'm from. I'm from Wiggins. Paul's like, I'm from Long Beach. <laughs> Let me take my sandals off. If I take my sandals off, it's going to be trouble, Barnabas. I'm telling you. Anyway, we don't know what happened there. But the moral of this story is, guys, all, all would have an opportunity to be offended in our relationship. Even the best. Paul, Mark. Barnabas, and again, we could have come up with a whole lot, list of other stories to where things like this happened in the Bible. So, we have to look at what is the problem with relationships. Nothing if you're perfect. Raise your hand again if you're perfect. I got two over here. Got any more takers on being perfect? There's nothing wrong with relationships if you're perfect. Relationships in and of themselves are good. But we are imperfect people. So, what is the problem with a relationship? The first thing we have to look at is, guys, that we all have a sin nature. We all have a sin nature. We all have a tendency to be bent, to be bent towards the negative, to be bent or slanted towards evil, to be bent against even our closest relationships. I like the statement that we've been utilizing a lot that says we are saved, but we're also being saved. We are also being saved. 
we're justified, but we're walking through this phase right now called sanctification. I was looking out here at front, and, and one of the small groups that you guys will have an opportunity to participate in, it says, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Who, who's leading that small group? <laughs> I want to come sign up for that one. You know, that, that's, that's awesome. Why give the enemy a seat at the table and you're already bent towards your sin nature? I don't know what that book is going to be talking about, but I'm telling you what. You should not invite the enemy to dinner. Things are not going to turn out well. That's one of the problems with relationships that we don't understand that, hey, man, we, 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 we just came bent like that. More than just a relationship between God and man was, was, was impacted on that day. Man and man, woman and uh, uh, man and female. Everything was, in, and that's why our relationships are impacted today. Other problems with the relationship is familiarity. Sometimes we just, we take, we take those most important to us for granted. It's just human nature. We, we become so complacent. We become so calm and relaxed around that person. And look, we have to look no further at the life of Jesus. You're talking about relationships. Jesus came into this earth to have a relationship with all who would have relationships with him. It also talks about all the miracles and the great things that he did. But when he, when he couldn't have the, the established the right relationships in some of those areas that he went to, what does the scripture say? He was not able to do much. In those areas. Why? They were so familiar. They took him for granted. And guys, we're, we're taking him for granted today, ultimately, still to some degree. But we're also taking uh, others to, for granted in our personal relationships. The next thing that brings about a problem in our relationships is offense and hurt. I know that most of you in this room, to some degree, have been offended or have been hurt. You will be offended at some point in time, all of us, if you haven't, and I know you have. But this is the kicker. It's okay. It's okay. Expect it. In this world, you will have troubles. Remember that scripture? You can expect to have it, but this is what is not okay. It's not okay to rehearse the negative event in your mind to the point where it changes your life. That's not okay. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get offended. It's not okay to keep rehearsing that in your mind. Rehearsing negative thoughts impacts the heart negatively. Just as in the scripture, Romans 12 and 2, it says, renew your mind. Meditate on the scriptures. It's going to change your nature. The same thing happens on the opposite. Rehearsing negative stuff impacts your heart. And it prevents you from serving God and for loving people. Offense and being hurt, those are some of the biggest catalysts that are still right now at work in the body of Christ. Blame shifting, that's another one. What is blame shifting? Blame shifting is simply, I don't want to take responsibility. I don't want to take responsibility. If you're in a relationship and if you're shifting the blame, everything that happens is on the heart of that other person or on the actions of that other person, and you're not seeing yourself as part of that relationship, then you're probably blame shifting. And the thing that keeps us on, that keeps that ongoing in our lives is pride. And as long as we're walking in pride, guys, we'll never get that relationship back on the right track. We'll never get it back on the right, on the right track. Self-preservation. 
Anybody ever built walls up around? <laughs> just, you, you, I'm just going to build some walls. It, you know, and and, and this, is this, this is one of the terms that I have learned. God showed me this years ago because I was building some walls. I don't know if you've ever built walls. I have some big monumental walls. But this is the key sign if you're building walls. When you start making statements like this, I'll never, and fill in that blank. When you start saying stuff like, I'll never, those I'll never statements are basically coming out an area of hurt. And you've built that wall up, and while you may have insulated and isolated yourself from that hurt, over time, over time, what you ultimately end up doing is cutting yourself off from God having an opportunity to work with you in that respective area. Y'all remember last week when, when Dr. Andy says, hey, we, we, we reject stuff. We reject hurt. But what did he tell us? What did we learn last week? Instead of rejecting, we have to learn to what? Regulate it. You can't get healing and help from it if you reject it. We've got to learn to give these things to God and not build walls up in our lives. The opportunity for all of these things that I just read, sin nature, familiarity, offense, blame shifting, self-preservation, all of these things will never go away. They will be in the earth and on the earth when Jesus comes. They will be there. But yet, we are still called to cultivate healthy relationships. That command, that request of us will never go away. How do we cultivate healthy health in our relationships? The word cultivate in and of itself lets us know that it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work. If you're in a relationship and you want them to remain healthy, get your, get your boots out, get your gloves on, get ready to get dirty. It's going to take some work. And we learned from Dr. Andy last, last week that, that, that we want to be able to respond properly even in our difficult circumstances, even in our difficult relationships. He said that we don't want to be people that react. We want to be able to be people that respond. In order for us to be able to respond properly, we have to know that it's going to take some work on our part. So how do we cultivate the health in our relationships? First, we got to have grace and mercy. Grace and mercy received can be given. Guys, sometimes we think more highly of ourselves and our relationships than we ought to. But we have to understand that we have freely been given grace and mercy. The expectation of that on our part is to freely give it to those that might hurt us. Now, of course, in relationship, it works best when both parties are working and pulling in the same direction. It works best. But even if it don't, even if it doesn't, the other party's not pulling their fair share. It's not okay for you to stop doing what God has called you to do. Grace and mercy, we must give it. Number two, in terms of cultivating healthy relationships, is conflict resolution. Now, don't allow the word resolution make you think one minute that the conflicts in your life will ever be resolved. <clears throat> that one might be resolved. But that, look, the description says, seeing crouches at the door, there's another conflict right at the door. Conflict resolution is going to be there. And we have to know how to handle these tough situations in our relationships. We ever heard of the statement 70 times 7? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that before. <laughs> 70 times 7. If you don't know what I'm referring to, this is when Peter asked Jesus, how often should I forgive? This is what he said 
my brother that sins against me. We ain't talking about some, some, some person from one of those acquaintances. I'm talking about my brother. I'm talking about right here. I'm talking about me and Pastor Michael. I'm talking about you and me, brothers and sisters in Christ. Seventy times seven. Guys, we have to walk in conflict resolution with the heart of God. To, determine, to demonstrate conflict resolution in relationships, our hearts must be set, as Scripture says, to be at peace with all people, with everything that is in us. That's what the scripture calls us to be, at peace with all men. Number three, seek reconciliation. Seek reconciliation. That sounds positive. Well, most times what we do is we seek revenge. That's what we seek most times. Keeping score of hurts or trying to even the score would not bring forth the best outcome in our relationships. It will, however, bring forth the wrong heart and the wrong focus toward whomever we're in that relationship with. Revenge will cause us to sin, and God never needs us to sin to help fulfill his plan in our lives. Sometimes I feel like, man, I'm, I'm going to get him back. I'm going to help you out, God. I'm going to help you out. And bam, God never is going to call you to sin. He's never going to call you to violate scripture to make you feel whole. It'll never happen. But sometimes we think that. It, it was such a devastating hurt. Surely this is going to be okay. Oh, God, 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 you put me here to be able to, 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 to stomp him like a bug. You remember David? And, and Saul was in, 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 in the cave. And David's men was trying to get him. Take him out. This is your shot. And David says, no, I will not touch the anointed one. And guys, we've not been called to take vengeance. We've not been called to take vengeance. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. If we're going to be, it, it is going to be hard to be fruitful in our lives if we can't be forgetful. It's going to be hard to be fruitful if we can't be forgetful, forgetful as it relates to the hurts that have come our way. Number four, boundaries. We have to set healthy boundaries in our lives. Healthy Boundaries. We've already talked about the walls that we can build up. I'm not talking about that. But man, sometimes in, to keep that relationship healthy, you got to make sure that you're keeping yourself in a safe place sometimes. I'm talking physically now. All right? We're not talking spiritually. But sometimes if, if, if I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it like this. My mother used to say the law is for the lawless. You got someone that's punching on you and kicking on you and all that kind of good stuff. Hey, there's a place for them. Those are healthy boundaries. God's not called for you to come get your brains beat out. He's not called for you to be verbally abused and emotionally abused. Now, we've, we talked about this months back, but get some counsel. Let's talk through this thing. Get some advice. We don't want to be so quick to jump. But, man, we have to have some boundaries. We have to have boundaries. Now, we don't want those unhealthy boundaries. An unhealthy boundary is silent treatment. Have we ever given somebody the silent treatment? Raise your hand a little higher. Silent treatment is not a healthy boundary. Why? It can be over time. And a bit. We, we, did, we, we, we're wired for relationships. So when we go into silent treatment, ain't nothing happening. God ain't moving in that. 
We have to be careful even when we set our boundaries to make sure that they're, happy, uh, that they're good, healthy boundaries. Number five, forgiveness. And this is where the rubber really begins to meet the road here. Forgiveness. I mentioned earlier that the enemy really likes to play in the affairs of our closest relationships. And his end in mind is to keep you away from the most important part of maintaining a healthy relationship. And that is forgiveness. We have to forgive. Many of you don't know my story, but I was, I'm, I'm, on, my, I'm on my second marriage. Um, same wife, though. We were married for about two and a half years, and we got divorced. And three years later, we got remarried. I called the first one the Old Testament. I called the new one the New Testament. And this is how it's playing itself out. And for the record, you should also know it was three years to the exact date that we got remarried. I had no idea. Tell me God wasn't into that. Three years to the very date. Now, my wife was not here today, but I wish I could brag upon her. But the first marriage, guys, jacked it up. I'm talking covenant-ending stuff took place. So one of the things that we did was like, okay, I gave my life to Christ in November of 99, and uh, my wife had done so earlier, and, and, and one of the things that I thought was like, okay, man, great, we're both saved now. This is going to be great. Two perfect people in Christ. Y'all know where we started off in the new marriage? We started right where we left off. Guys, we got to get this relationship stuff right. It was selfish pride in the first one. We were saved, but we had that same amount of selfish pride in the second one. And over time, God had to humble us. Guess who he had to humble the most? It was me. It was me. But I'll tell you today, it'll be 22 years in March. It'll be 20 years, 22 years in March. 22 years in March. And I'll tell you, it would not be, it would not be there if, if, if forgiveness was not at play. I'm talking about solid forgiveness. She's probably forgiving me right now. <laughs> I don't even know what I did. But forgiveness has to be a key component of our healthy relationships. If we don't have forgiveness in our relationships, we have nothing. The enemy knows that forgiveness is the release valve of all of our unhealthy relationships. That's kind of like the starting point right there. He knows that if there's no forgiveness, there can never be healing. Forgiveness recenters us with Christ. Forgiveness recenters us with Christ. And we need to also know that forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice. She chose to forgive me. First marriage and the second marriage. She chose to forgive me. And I'm so appreciative of her forgiveness. I'm so grateful that she did not build up those walls and, and cut God out of her discussion about what to do with this man you've given me. I'm so glad. I look at Nicholas up here playing. Man, that wouldn't have been no Nicholas. I look at my other children. That would have been, they, they, they wouldn't have been here. I mean, come on, you've got a family split. You may find yourself in a situation that's challenging, don't know what to do. Man, we got some freedom groups. You'll be able to walk right out of this door and sign up for a freedom group. We deal with stuff like that. The Holy Spirit deals with stuff like that. As he dealt with me, as he dealt with my wife, and now here we are. Some 22 years later, serving and loving and living for God best we know how. But it starts with forgiveness. Y'all know we talked about Paul earlier. I want to let y'all know how that story ends. The second the scripture that we're looking at is found in 2 Timothy 4 and 11. 
Paul wrote this while he was in a Roman prison, guys. Some of his last days on this earth. Now, you know he was upset with Mark. Mark had done something. Paul had apparently done something too. But this is what he says. He says, Luke alone is with me. You need to know that Luke and Paul ran together. Luke was kind of like the scribe. And a lot of things that Paul did, Luke captured him. The book of Acts written by Luke, okay? Luke alone is with me. This is what he says. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very useful to me for ministry. They reconciled that thing somewhere. We don't know all the ins and outs. But God did a work in Paul's heart. He did a work in Mark's heart. And they came back together, guys. And they did great things for the kingdom of God. We can do the same thing if we'll avail ourselves to the forgiveness that we have so freely received from God, right? Now that we have received this forgiveness, it is upon us to give it, even when we've been hurt to our core. The last thing we want to look at is the gospel. When we're faced with difficulty in our relationships, and we seem to have become to this, this place where we're stuck, we may even feel that we're in a rut, we must force ourselves to see it through the eyes of the gospel. Force ourselves. It is that important. In the gospel, we know that they are suffering. We know that they are sacrificed on the hand of Jesus. But guys, as believers, sometimes we think that just because we are believers, we're not going to go through suffering. We're not going to have to sacrifice. But man, but for Christ to be magnified in our lives is going to be some of that. It's going to be some of that. That suffering does not necessarily mean to be beat up, but that suffering means is to be strengthened to a higher level of purification. What happened in this second marriage as opposed to my first marriage is God had to come in and burn off some of that Arnie self. He had to burn it off. I smell like smoke right now. He probably Y'all probably still see some stuff being burnt off right now. But that's the suffering. But it was for my good. It was for my, my marriage's good. It was for the good of my children. Come on, man. I, I get a chance to share the gospel with you today. It was for the good. God is being magnified, and he can do the same thing in your relationship. We have to know that as believers that sometimes a win for God looks like a loss to the world. We can't keep score. Sometimes God's going to ask you to forgive. You'll be like, they're dead wrong, Lord. You saw it. You know they hurt me. But you surrendering to his will is a win. And it goes to your righteousness. It goes to your credit. We cannot continue to think that we're going to get these relationships right by taking our eyes off of God and putting them on man. If, if you could have fixed it, it would have been fixed already. Scriptures lets us know, one of my scriptures that I've just really been holding in my heart and meditating on now for a couple of weeks, it says this, that while, while Jesus, of course, has ascended, and I'm paraphrasing it here, he says, all things are be, have been put under his feet. Y'all remember the scripture. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But this scripture goes further on to say, yet at present, talking about you and me, at present, I do not see all things put under my feet. But the scripture goes on to say this, but I see Jesus. You may not ever put all of those things that's wrong in your relationship under your feet. But the scripture says we must see Jesus. We have to see Jesus. How critical is forgiveness? Last scripture, Matthew 6 and 15. It says, but if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you 
of your trespasses. Guys, that's serious business. Healthy relationships, we got to have them. We need them. That's how the body of Christ functions. We're one body. We're one body. I can't be running around here mad and jacked up about at half of the people that God has called me to bring the gospel to. We can't do it. But, but the scripture right here says we must. Imagine if Jesus had not forgiven all that we've been doing since that day, null and void. It means nothing. That's the core of our existence as a believer. Forgiveness. But he looked down. He looked down at all those that were mocking him. They had just beaten him night before all that day. He, he, said, he said, Father, forgive them. Guys, we have to have that same no matter what the circumstance. We have to posture ourselves where we can hear hear ourselves say, Lord, forgive them. No, it wasn't right. Unfair. What my mama did to me, what my daddy did to me, what my uncle did to me, what my pastor at my last church did to me, what my sibling did to me. It's unfair. It's unjust. There's still forgiveness in Christ. Forgiveness is required for those that have been forgiven. Let's get along with God. Father, we find ourselves in this room today thanking you, Lord, again one more time for sending some help our way through your word. Father, where there's hurt, Father, God, we know that your grace and your mercy abounds richly. And I pray over all of those, God, that are hurt, that have a relationship with today, God, that that pump of grace and mercy will be reignited in their life, that, Father, that they will begin to see the cross, even in those difficult times and situations. Father God, that your life, that your love will be made whole in them. In the midst of the storm, Father, I pray that you give them peace right now. But, Father, we know that there are some in this room that may not have a relationship with you. Father, your word says that if we confess that you are Lord, that if we believe in our hearts that you raised your son Jesus from the dead, then we will be saved. So, God, if, if there's anyone here in this room today and you don't have a relationship with God, he is giving you an invitation like you will never, ever forget again. Because the time is now. You've been in some relationships and you don't know how to get out of them. You don't know what to do. The world is beating on you. And you need a Savior. I want to pray a simple prayer with you. Very simple prayer. If you want to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. Pray something like this. It says, Dear Lord, I am a sinner. And upon your word, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And upon your word, I believe in my heart that you raised your son Jesus from the dead. And Father, lastly, upon your word, I declare the salvation of the Lord for my life. Thank you now for eternal life. Amen.